Welcome to Infoblox Threat Talk, where you'll find the latest thinking on how to tap the full potential of the cloud while making your network more reliable, secure, and automated. Welcome to Threat Talk, a new podcast series from Infoblox. My name is Peter Schoff, and I've been covering IT security for almost 15 years. In this series, we're exploring the current cybercrime threatscape, and with the help of both experts and hackers, we're digging into what threats companies are facing today and exactly what companies need to do to combat these threats. Today, I am very pleased to be joined by Krupa Shrivatsen, the Director of Product Marketing for Infoblocks. In this podcast, we're covering the NIST cybersecurity framework. So first of all, Krupa, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Happy to be here. So what would you say are the biggest threats facing companies today? So I think today the biggest, I wouldn't call it threats, but changes in the way companies do business leads to security implications, right? So when I say changes in the way companies do business, I'm talking about the digital transformations that they're undergoing, right, as part of their modernization, if you will. So think about leveraging different cloud providers, right, for their applications, to store their data, for their day-to-day business processes. Many companies are using more than one cloud provider to put their workloads in, right? This is kind of your multi-cloud environment that's the reality of today. In addition to their data and applications that's also residing on-premises within their physical data centers, right? So that's kind of a big, big trend today. And then second thing would be improving branch office user experience. So things like SD-WAN that enable branch offices to directly connect to the internet, to give them a better Office 365 experience or to connect those branch office users to the nearest point where their applications are loaded. So uh, all of these things mean that the attack surface is increasing. It also means that the data and applications are distributed and the way users access them are different. They are not always within a corporate firewall, for example. They're everywhere. They're connecting from Starbucks, from home, from branch offices, remote offices, and from their headquarters. So when you look at the security implications of these digital transformations, there are many things that the traditional security stack may not be able to cover. So uh, that, I would say, is kind of the biggest security challenge facing companies today. Yeah, basically a very sophisticated threat environment. So now, would you say that adding another security tool is the answer to today's multi-threat environment? So one of the ways that companies try to mitigate risk and address this ever-changing threat landscape is to boost their security stack, right? They may have next-gen firewalls. They'll implement endpoint security. Uh, Those are the basic kind of table stakes. And then they may add on uh, web proxies, web gateways, or they may use sandboxing, right? And the list goes Mm -hmm. on and on, TASB and solutions like that. But while those tools are great for what they're designed for and they they protect against a specific type of threat vector, many of these tools are still siloed, right? And it adds to the complexity. It adds to the number of alerts that they get every day. And it adds to the the time it takes for security operations teams to, to analyze and configure and address these threats, right? So adding to a security stack just 
for the sake of improving security, it may work, but it may not, right? So in the sense that it may add more complexity. So I think the answer would be more around making sure that you do a comprehensive analysis of what's in your security stack already and see how you can improve the effectiveness and ROI of those tools that they already have before deciding to plug in a 31st security tool in the network. Right, and you could also say that essentially plugging another tool might address today's threats, but not tomorrow's. Yep, absolutely, yeah. So now this topic of this discussion, NIST. Can you give me an overview of NIST, which is the National Institute of Standards and Technology Cybersecurity Framework? What do they recommend for security? Sure. So the National Institute of Standards and Technology came up with this framework, the cybersecurity framework, to help organizations across all industries think about security in a structured way, right, and to enhance the security and resilience of uh, the nation's critical infrastructure, right? So instead of thinking about security in a random fashion, the attempt is to bring together some sort of structure, right? And it's a framework based on existing standards and guidelines and best practices that the agency has gleaned over the years, right? There are some agencies, like federal agencies, that are mandated to use it. It's not mandated, obviously, across all industries, but it is a framework that has been in the news and been in use for a few years now. And the goals of the framework, if you look at it, is to, at the highest level, is to understand the current risk posture of any organization who adopts that framework, decide on where they want to be after they implement the framework, what their target posture will look like, and the amount of risk that they're willing to take versus the security infrastructure they want to put in place. It also helps them identify and prioritize gaps in their security posture, right? And then try to work in a methodical fashion towards that end state that they want to be in. Right? And it also provides the security teams a common language to communicate with their internal stakeholders. Right. So let's face it, I mean, the security world is filled with a different type of language, right? There are different jargons, different sure. terms that are used that may not be easily understandable by the common man in a company, right? Who, mm-hmm. uh, who may not be in the security organization. He may be a business user. So uh, it provides them with a common language to communicate with the rest of the stakeholders as well. And when you look at the different kind of components, if you, if you peel back the onion on the cybersecurity framework, they have a set of kind of core functions that can help an organization improve the security posture, right? And there are actually five high-level core functions. Identifying what assets are on the network, so it's all about knowing what's connecting to a network, asset management, et cetera. And then mm-hmm. the second function is protect right? So protecting and putting in safeguards in place to protect the assets, which include data and critical infrastructure. Protection also includes some of the softer elements like training, right? How do you train the rest of the uh, company to be more cybersecurity aware, right? And then you have the third core function is detection. So detect And this is where what techniques can you put in place to detect incidents, right, that may have escaped your standard safeguards like your firewalls or something like that. So once the breach has happened, once the infection has happened, how quickly can you detect? So that's kind of the third function. 
And then when you look at the fourth function, so now you've detected it, now you have to respond to that event or incident, right? So what processes can you put in place to uh, mitigate the events that have happened or the security incidents that may have already happened, right? And how soon can you respond? And what's the analysis that goes behind that response, right? So it kind of lays out all that. And then finally, the fifth core function is recovery. So how do you recover from that incident? What are your communication methods that you implement internally and externally as you recover from that incident? Uh, and how can it improve moving forward your processes? So identify, protect, detect, respond, recover kind of form the main core pillars of this framework. Gotcha. So those are the recommendations. Now let's go to actually meeting them. So how does DNS, DHCP, and IP address management help companies meet these NIST requirements? Right. So many people may not be aware about using the core network functions like DNS, DHCP, and IPAM for improving a company's security posture. And that's where Infoblox comes in, right? So DNS, DHCP, and IPAM are critical functions for keeping the network up and running, for connecting end devices and users to the applications that they're trying to access. All of that connectivity happens through DNS. And whenever a new device or a virtual machine joins the network, it gets an IP address, and the IPAM solution provides that IP address, right? So, and it could even be IoT devices, right? So, while DNS, DHCP, and IPAM is critical for connecting devices and users to applications, it can also be leveraged to meet many of the security best practices that are defined in NIST. So, number one, First would be asset management, right? So the core function of asset management talks about how you need to know what's connecting to your network and how the organization needs to make sure that the asset management processes are sound. And one of the best ways to know what's connecting to your network is through the IP address management solution, right? So IPAM, as it's called, is a single source of truth for all network assets because anything that's connecting gets an IP address, that enters into that IPAM database, right? So it forms that one view, 360-degree view of all the assets that are connecting to the network. So that could be leveraged for asset management. There is another function of IPAM called Network Insight that can be leveraged for discovery, automated discovery. So you go out to the all parts of your network and you discover all the devices that are connecting to the network. So that's another feature of IPAM that can be leveraged for asset management. And one of the use cases is as soon as you discover a new device, it could be a legitimate network asset or it could be a rogue asset, it could be a rogue device. You can set policy to automatically trigger a vulnerability scanner to scan the device as soon as it's trying to connect to the network, right? So now you're not only having visibility into what's joining, but you can also set some policies before you allow that device to join the network. Maybe it is make sure that it runs through a scan before it's allowed, right? So things like that you can do for asset management leveraging Infoblox's IPAM and Network Insight. So there are many others, right? So there is risk assessment that you could do with Infoblox, uh, NetMRI, and NetMRI helps do device audit and vulnerability scanner integration. Again, you can do an audit of all related to latency devices that are on the network, check for configurations. With NetMRI, you can actually check if those devices are running older 
firmware, right? Or if they are not up to the gold standard in terms of configuration, it can automate the remediation as well. Things like that. Great. And I heard you mention Internet of Things, IoT, which is, this sounds like an excellent solution for that. So for IoT, uh, when you think about IoT, there are IoT devices that are directly IP-enabled, and then if they're not IP-enabled, they connect to an IoT gateway, which is IP-enabled. So now when you use IPAM, you not only have visibility into your standard traditional devices, but you can also see those IoT gateways and those IP-enabled IoT devices. Fantastic. Now, I think this is a question a lot of companies would love to hear the answer to this is, would you say this solution is cost-effective? So one of the things about DNS and leveraging DNS for security is that it is one of the most cost-effective ways to provide scalable security throughout the network, right? It could be in your headquarters, data center, remote users, branch offices, cloud applications. It doesn't matter what your network looks like. When you leverage threat intelligence and analytics on a DNS server and you check for things like malware CNC communication or data exfiltration via DNS, you are actually offloading a lot of the work from more expensive perimeter security solutions. So you can detect and block a lot of the known threats at the DNS level much earlier in the malware cycle than even you know your other security tools get into the picture, right? So DNS security is definitely a very cost-effective way to do security. And then you can leverage the rest of the tools for more advanced inspection and threat detection, but you can handle a lot of the heavy lifting at the DNS layer. And one of the things in the NIST framework, it talks about detection processes, right, detection. So DNS firewalling and using threat intel for malware detection on a DNS box is a perfect way to meet that requirement of NIST in a cost-effective way. And the other thing that Infobox helps in the detection process is leveraging AI ML-based machine learning-based analytics on these DNS queries so it can detect advanced threats like data exfiltration, DGAs, domain generation algorithms, things like that, which is actually a gap in today's security stack uh, when you think about it. Other tools are not looking at DNS-based data theft. They're not looking at domain generation algorithm type threats, which you can leverage Infoblox DNS for. So that's another core function that we help with in detection. Great. You could say the earlier you get it, the less resources you need to fight it too, correct? Absolutely. You said it better than I did. (laughs) So now, are there other related compliance mandates that use NIST framework? Yeah. So given that NIST is a very kind of robust framework in terms of best practices and in terms of covering a lot of the basics, you might have heard of FedRAM or Federal Risk and Authorization Management Program. And this program, it's actually mandated for cloud providers or vendors that provide cloud services to U.S. agencies. They need to be FedRAM certified. A lot of the mandates in the FedRAM is based off of the NIST cybersecurity framework. So when these vendors use NIST, it's much easier for them to get compliant with FedRAM. Now, there are different aspects of FedRAM. There is like a FedRAM low, FedRAM moderate, and a FedRAM high type of categorizations. It's a process, right, to get that certification. So you can be in process for certification, and then you, you get categorized as either FedRAM low, moderate, or high when you meet certain criteria. So the FedRAM assessments are based on the controls identified in NIST, particularly in NIST SB 800-53 Rev 4. <laughs> so wow. it's kind of a specific 
part of the NIST, but that particular part of the NIST framework is tailored for cloud services. So it uses that Rev4, but it's tailored for cloud service providers. Well, that's great. Now, this is a huge topic, you know, and there's so many facets. If you wanted listeners to come away with one or two takeaways, what would that takeaway be? Yeah, so I think the key takeaway would be if you are thinking of implementing the cybersecurity frameworks like the NIST framework, start at the DNS level, right? Because like you said earlier, because your, your DNS can do a lot of the security functionality earlier in the cycle, you actually spend less amount of time and effort and money when you implement DNS-based controls before moving on to some of the other security controls, right? So leveraging DNS for detection, leveraging DNS for mitigation, right? And the other important thing to think about is Infoblox also integrates with a lot of these security tools like SIM solutions, SOAR solutions for ecosystem-wide remediation. So you detect at the DNS level and block the DNS lookup but you can also notify your vulnerability scanners or your SOAR tools and provide a lot of context about that threat incident so that your SOAR tool is more effective. Your SIM gets more context about that threat, so your analysis becomes a lot easier and you're able to correlate and triangulate the actual attack better and faster. So things like continuous security monitoring, which is another core function of MIST, can be done with DNS and Infoblox as well. So. Bottom line, if you're thinking of implementing this, start a DNS. That makes perfect sense, Krupa. This is Peter Schof of Threat Talk speaking with Krupa Shrivitsen of Infoblox. For listeners looking for more information on this topic, I recommend going to Infoblox's website and looking up the white paper, Adopting This Cybersecurity Framework Using Fundamental Network Infrastructure, which is exactly what we just covered. You've been listening to Infoblox Threat Talk. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about maintaining a secure, always-on network that enables digital transformation, visit www.infoblocks.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.